Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ozone, live from Koreatown on a hot winter's day in Los Angeles. We're with you. I am your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, Terry. Yes, sir. And we came in tickling ivory. I heard that. You like that? That was Pharrell Williams uh-huh. off of that uh, Hidden Figures soundtrack from the Smash Blockbuster Hidden Figures. If you haven't checked that one out, go see it. True story about the African-American women who helped uh, get the good old United States of America into space before the Russians. Those damn Russians are always meddling. And uh, that track is called Freedom. Very, very appropriate for today. Want to get it popping. Quick, fast, and in a hurry, give you a sneak preview. We got a lot to cover. We got a lot to cover. We're going to talk about the NBA and how uh, Trump's p- travel ban plays out against the athletes or with the athletes in the league. We had a, a potential fight of the year last year's rematch with Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz we're going to cover. Of course, we got to talk about the Super Bowl. I don't know if the Patriots picked up somebody who could uh, guard Julio Jones in the last seven days, but I didn't see it. No. Uh, and we got the Clippers getting completely and totally dusted. We want to talk about prostitutes and the Super Bowl culture. Is that just part of the deal in the United States? And we're going to get into all of that, but right now, I want to start with something near and dear to my heart for podcast number 40 of the Ozone. Ladies and gentlemen, this may have been the best tennis weekend ever. I'm talking about the Australian Open took place down in Melbourne, mate, and it was incredible. I mean, how awesome is Australia? I stayed up. I was in Miami this weekend, and I stayed up on consecutive nights. The match didn't start until 3.30 in the morning. So it was 6.30 out there. No, 3.30 in the morning, Eastern time. Mm. So uh, it it was 12.30 midnight here, 3.30 a.m. Eastern time, and God knows what time it was in in, uh, Australia, but I'm assuming it was like noon because they were playing in the daytime. Pretty incredible tennis. I mean, crazy. I don't know how many tennis heads we got listening, but I sure am a tennis head. And we saw the best of the best. Arguably, we saw four of the greatest tennis players of all time to meet in the finals this past weekend. Oh, you're going that far. I've been... Hands my, down. My hands are down. Oh, come on, not I, hands down. Bruh. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. So let's start off with the ladies because we go ladies first. We had the ultimate in sibling rivalries. And for me, for somebody who has multiple siblings, I know all about sibling rivalries. And I could only dream to get to this high level, this high platform of sibling rivalry dumb that took place in Australia. You got Serena Williams versus Venus Williams. Venus looks like she's over it. It was like what do you mean? When she when she lost, she was like it. Would, it didn't look like she had that much pain in her. You know, usually as you do as a sibling when you lose to a sibling. You know what? I I don't know about that. What I saw was, to me, it felt like Venus is older and more mature. And she said it before. She was actually happy to be there. Mm. She was going to compete, but right. she was actually happy to be there because it's been such a long road for her now. All the injuries and everything else. And her sickness. You remember she mm-hmm. got diagnosed with that disease. Uh, realistically, in the age of tennis, they are like the equivalent of senior citizens. Mm-hmm. They're AARP down there. Right, You're right. talking about 37 and 35 in the tennis world. You remember when we watched tennis growing up, Max, you were 28, 29, and you're out the game. Right. You couldn't keep up with the youngsters. They're still dominating. And it's been seven, eight years since they met up in the last final, uh, in the final at a Grand Slam. And, I mean, this was beautiful tennis. Because even though Serena won, Serena, I mean, easily the greatest tennis player of all time, uh, definitely the greatest woman of all time, Easily, but arguably, you know, she's, 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 yeah, you got to give her a top 10 for greatest tennis players of all time. Maybe the top 10. I think you're going far. I could be reaching, but I got a lot of love for Serena Williams. And actually, I still would like to see her play. I, th- I would love to what, see her play Steffi Graf. I, this is where I was going to go yeah, with this. Yeah, because the finesse game and the power game, you know, it's almost like a pitcher, a good a good baseball game. Somewhat, but I think uh, I think you're reaching because you love baseball. And it's almost <laughs> always, that time. I always try to reach for it. <laughs> I can smell the cut grass right now. Yeah, no. And so what I'm seeing, what I saw out there was incredible. I saw 
a tight match. And you know what you I don't know if you watch it. They were both nervous at first. That yeah. game, that match started with four breaks. You never see a finals match start right. with four breaks. Nobody could pull it together. It was just too many nerves going on. And then eventually Serena pulled away, but she didn't really pull away. I mean, she won 6-4, six, 6-4. Four, six, four. They were tight, you know, they were tight games. She seemed like she wanted a little bit more. You know, she wanted she to did want it, it yeah. more. I, and you could see I she just was think focused. That Venus, yeah, she was focused, but Venus just didn't, like, have that extra gear anymore. And, I agree. And, and it didn't seem like it was just, to me, I got the feeling that it just wasn't that important to her. I didn't get the feeling that it wasn't that important. I got the feeling that she just, you know. Not that the match wasn't as important, but that rivalry. Pretty much, she was over it. You know, she just conceded that uh, Serena's better than her. See, I don't know if I would go that. That's I'm wow. going that route. Wow, you you can go that route. I'll give you post corner. Yeah, that's a nice <laughs> route. I think we're gonna see that next Sunday. You will Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. Why? I don't know if I could just if she was from Conceda, but I think that she. I think she knows that Serena's better than her. She tried. Now, one thing that I like that she did is that she tried to play Serena aggressively. Mm -hmm. She went for her shots early. Uh -huh. She didn't wait and, you know, get dominated. And truth be told, when you watch the match, she didn't get dominated. Like how, no, you know, I mean, I, well, you do have to say this, though. Serena didn't drop a set the entire tournament. Right. That bodes very poorly for the rest of the season for the rest of the women on the tour. That's not a good look. You don't want her coming. Yeah, barring in. injury. Yeah, you don't want her coming in hot. Well, and I and guess she stays. She stays in great shape, you know, and not like back in the day when you're talking about when we used to watch it all the time. Those I don't get the feeling that those guys were in shape all the time. I don't feel that way. I mean, Martina Navratilova was always ripped. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's an exception to the rule. She stayed ripped. She's right behind you. She, <laughs> Martina, <laughs> dude, <laughs> Spike. And so yeah, so. Uh, you know what? I think, I, yeah, I I was just impressed to get to watch them both play. You know, one thing that I did notice is is that they both tamped down a little bit of the celebration. Like when they would get a point, right. there was a respect there that you see that isn't often displayed on the tennis court nowadays. But for me, that's what you need to throw your sibling off. You need to get in their head. I'm the oldest one. I got to get in your head. Chris Angel, you want a mind freak. I got to go mind freak on you. <laughs> Well, she didn't do it, and Should've. Serena just went on and rolled on. Uh, you know, congratulations to her. She broke Steffi Graf's record. She passed uh, Steffi Graf as uh, uh, I think Steffi Graf had 22 major titles in the modern era, and Serena with this win moved into Michael Jordan territory, number 23. And he said just uh, choose right. Yeah, and it's pretty sweet. They got 23 on them. That, I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? She's she's awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> Very Hulk Hogan-esque. Uh, she's awesome. There's no two ways about it. But they're both awesome. The story is awesome. I think when you look at it, there's a lot of parallels with the sports that took place this week. A lot of parallels between these sports and what's going on in society as a whole. And you saw the underdog rise up. You saw, uh, you saw what can happen even when the playing field may seem lopsided, but everybody gets a chance. Because one thing you have to give credit to Mr. Williams for is that he decided that his girls were going to play tennis in the middle of the CPT. Right. In the middle of Compton when everybody yeah, was walking around laughing at him. Yeah. And he took his girls out there. And, and took their whole family to the next level. I mean, like the top level. Yeah. They're fooling around with that 1% nowadays. Yes. And it's great. And it's great to see them. It's great to still see them as a unit. And, I, you know, I don't think we'll ever see them again in another championship final. I think that's it for Venus. I, I think I think I don't think they'll both get there. Well, you know, when Serena had that thing going for the last year or so where she would get to the final or the semifinal and fall apart. Yeah, never dropped a set and then just it seemed like she lost focus. Because I don't know if on any given day, playing their best tennis, anybody beats Serena. Who do you got? Who who would you pick to face her on their best day and Serena's best day to beat her? I would always take Steffi Graf. Steffi's a tall girl. Yeah. She had a nice game about her. And she thought the game. She Her tennis IQ was yes, up. Yes, and that's what's very, very important because you look at a guy like, remember, Stefan Edberg. Yeah. He wasn't a power. He, he liked to play the net, so he would come up and play the net, and he would give everybody a problem. <laughs> remember when they gave <laughs> Stefan Edberg the business when he came back and he was still Rusty using the Edberg. <laughs> <laughs> he was still using the wooden racket. <laughs> Stefan Fredberg. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, it's not 75, dude. We've all gone graphite. And you're fooling around with the wooden tennis racket with the left. Around. We're using aluminum bats. What you doing, dude? You're, you're getting ran. And he got blown out. Well, you got to bring that up. <laughs> he didn't have that sweet spot. His sweet spot was so yeah. small on his racket. <laughs> 
Uh, one love to Stefan Edberg. I used yeah, to but, like to watch him play. But but Steffi, you know, yeah, I was a big Steffi Graf fan. I'm more so than Navratilova. I really didn't care for her style or her game or whatever. She was the power game. Like, she gave you nice uh, power work. Yeah, like Serena, but Serena would knock the racket out of her hand. You know, I, I mean, I, I liked Martina's will to win. I always appreciated. Yeah, but she, Serena she, has that. She will was to always. Win. But you know what? Serena gives you flashes of mental fragility at times. She does because you feel like when you see her play at her best, you feel like nobody would beat her mm-hmm. if if she was at her best when she's focused. Now, I would take who she played. Give me Venus Williams versus Serena Williams any day of the week. On, at well, their, on their best day, because Venus well, I thought you said was against, good against either one of them. No, I no, no, no. Oh, I was just okay. saying against okay. Serena. Okay. You know, because Venus was the one who really, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think she gets enough credit because Venus was the one who I really busted the door down for their family because she was older. And she hit the circuit two years earlier, and she came in and just started wrecking shop against Steffi Graf, against Monica Sellers, yeah. against I don't th- I think the, no, Monica the Sellers was out of the game. Yeah, she was out of the game, but Monica Sellers wasn't who she was. No, anymore, no, she got know. stabbed. She I mean, it's amazing to say, but she got stabbed in a in a match. Anybody right. who didn't know, uh, after she got stabbed, she wasn't the same player. Monica Sellers was a monster. She though. was a monster. When, she was really good, but she gave it to Sabatini. She well, gave I it, used to love Sabatini, I, you but did. just because she was beautiful. But it, had, it had nothing to do with her tennis game. I think you had a Sports Illustrated poster of Sabatini <laughs> up in the room. Back in the day. <laughs> Where's the one with Gabrielle's up to? She's somewhere fine. Yeah. She's somewhere like 55 and fine. Looking great. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. So I would, you know, I, I just, I want to congratulate both Williams sisters. I'm super duper impressed. You know, you wish you could have got a three-set match out of that in the finals, but what can you do? The, the better player on that day won, and that leads me to the next match, the men's final, which kept me up from 3.30 in the morning to 7.30 in the morning because it was just devastating. Your boy finally got over the hump. Oh, my God. Oh, la, 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 la. Oh, la, 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 la. Qu'est-ce qui se Roger? Wow. Roger Federer versus Rafael Nadal. This is the one time that you will see Rafael Nadal, I mean, uh, Roger Federer, as the underdog is when he plays Rafa Nadal because right. Rafa Nadal is the only player with the winning record over. He has his number. And to the point where when he lost at the Australian Open seven years ago, Roger just broke down crying. He's like, I just can't, I can't beat him. I don't know. This is at the at the ceremony. You can't win. He gave him the Adrian. <laughs> and, it, and unbelievably so, I watched this match. They gave you five sets of action. I think it was 6-4, 6-1, 6-4. And then, I mean, 6-4, but but Roger was, wow, wow. They both played great. And this is another thing that you may never see again. Roger's so satisfied with getting over the hump that Roger is mulling retirement now. Right. Roger's like, what else do I need to do? I serve. He came back. He did his thing. Came back. A a, a knee injury. He took six months off on the knee injury. Came back. He come back and beat the top dog. And I have to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to say it. I think Roger Federer is the greatest, <laughs> the greatest tennis player of all time. I really believe that. I can't. I cannot front. Yeah. I was always a very, very. I always thought Pete Sampras could beat him on his best day. And what about Yvonne Lindell? Yvonne Lindell didn't have what it takes. To, yeah. Yvonne Lindell's great. Yeah. There's no, no doubt about that. He didn't have what it takes to get to beat Fed, and this is why. Roger Federer is the ultimate adjuster. You know, he's like the Muhammad Ali in the sense that. He figures out what you're doing. First of all, if you don't come to play, you're gonna get you'll get bageled. He's he'll come out there and dominate you in straight sets. But you find that that's what all the great ones do in all sports. They make adjustments during the match, the game, or whatever. That's what it was. Yeah, and he he makes those adjustments to get the dub. <laughs> Throw up the dub. <laughs> and that's what he did. I mean, I watched this championship match. I really felt like every single thing about sports and about being a champion was personified. You had to struggle. He had to overcome his enemy, his mortal enemy. It was like a movie. And and Rafa didn't go s- silently into the night, as they say. Yes. Rafa fought it. Oh, man, the forehand was vicious. Oh, oh my God. Short, sweet stroke. And, and nice curve on it. Yeah. It looked like that movie, uh, that dumb he, movie with, with Angelina Jolie, that yeah. wanted movie with the bullet that bends. Yeah. He's taking balls. Even for match. It was just. even Even for the match. I mean, you remember he had him down like match point. And he fought it off for a few match points. Yeah. yeah I, and I, you know, I just, I'm, I can't say enough. He had to overcome his enemy. He had to overcome himself. That's what I saw with Roger, which makes me say, put the racket down. You have nothing. There's nothing greater than you can do than what you've just done. Leave at the peak. And, and he beat his mind. You know what I mean? He beat himself 
and he beat his person. He had to fight fatigue. He had to come back. He got broke early in the first, in the third, in the fifth set. He got broke and he had to come back and then break Nadal late. I, man, it was really, it was, it was worth missing. It was, it was worth missing the sleep. I, I'm so excited about it. Still, like it, I just watched it. I see that. I'm pumped. Yeah, that makes me want to get out there and twist my knee up. And and show everybody that I'm the greatest. <laughs> we can do that. I'll pass. <laughs> I was just kidding. I was just saying that though. Let's hear what Roger Federer had to say after the win. Should continue success this year and for hopefully many more years to come. You know, stay on the tour, stay, keep playing, Rafa. Please, uh, tennis needs you. So thanks very much for everything you do. Um. Then I'd like, of course, to thank all the sponsors. Um, you know, this, this building is amazing. Thanks, Rocket, for being here tonight again with your presence. It's always wonderful to have you here. It means so much more to both of us. And of course, you guys fill up the seats and make it uh, just a wonderful experience for us, the players, to, to fight harder and harder and one more time and one more time. So. So it's because of you guys that we are standing here tonight as well, and uh, we fought like we could, and um, yeah, just you guys made it super special for me always. You guys have been amazing over the years. I've been coming here for almost uh, almost 20 years now, and I've always enjoyed it. And now my family does too. So thank you for that. What a class act in Roger Federer, and a nice humble brag. You know, I've enjoyed coming down here for 20 years, and now perhaps, I mean, my family does too, because we ball out. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the program. On HBO, we call it Ballers, but it is, uh, I ball out. This is what I want to tell you. It's a humble brag. I am the greatest. That's your Federer. I mean, you're Nadal. <laughs> that was my Federer. That's your Federer. <laughs> that wasn't my Nadal. I met Nadal. He was super focused. He seemed like a jerk, but it was, he, was, he was just focused. Yeah, I give him a pass. You know, it was what it was. What can he do? <clears throat> but a wonderful, wonderful time. What else is wonderful is the 5-4 Club. T-Bone, I just got off a plane, and what I wore the whole time that I was in Miami was some wonderful button-downs that I received in my shipment for this month of the 5-4 Club. How comfortable was it? Oh, silky. Did you know that for only $65 a month, you can receive a box of clothing that's worth at least $200 every single month that's tailored to your styles, fellas. What are you waiting on? Go over to 54club.com. Spell it out. F-I-V-E-F-O-U-R club.com. Put in promo code Omar and enjoy your life. You guys can thank me later. I'm like Drake. It's all good. Moving on. What about that fight? What about this fight? Great fight this weekend. A lot of body work. <laughs> We're talking about the rematch between Carl Frampton of Ireland and Leo Santa Cruz de Mexico. And man, that was a great fight to watch. Yeah, Frampton took his punishment and then what he didn't do was he didn't complain after the fight, really. This is what I said. I, this is what I said. I said, what a class act this guy yeah, said. Yeah, making excuses. And he yeah. even said, I got to give it to him. I thought he won the fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, it, the kid turned it up on him in the middle of the fight, and he couldn't answer the bell. You know what else I thought it was is that it was another beautiful example of showmanship and sportsmanship, whereas you see adjustments. Leo Santa Cruz lost that fight last year because he was so intent on going straight forward with the bull in the china shop kind of effect, which is the hallmark for the Mexican fighters primarily, and it isn't always effective. It's effective against other Mexican fighters, but we've seen Floyd Mayweather become damn near a billionaire behind beating up on Mexicans that want to come straight forward and, yeah. and not move yeah, their and, head to their feet. Yeah, and be macho man. And be macho man or Andy Savage. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> the macho man. Randy Savage. <laughs> What a great name, Randy Savage. Yeah, but you know what? I didn't really particularly care for uh, Santa Cruz's style at first because he's a taller, bigger man that was giving me the crouching tiger. He was crouching tiger for a little bit, I have to say. Why I was aren't concerned. you standing tall and looking good? I was. <laughs> he ought to be in Hollywood. Ought to be in Hollywood. Uh, standing tall and looking good. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think what I did see, though, is that he ended up uh, – he ended up standing tall and popping his jab. That was the major difference is that he ended up 
boxing, and he was almost so embarrassed by it that afterwards then, yeah, yeah, he, he even apologized. apologized. Yeah. I couldn't believe that he apologized for a victory. That says so much about the culture that he's from and that culture of boxing. Yeah, well, and the discipline of it all because he actually showed discipline by sticking to the game plan. And you could see that Carl Frampton and his team didn't believe that he would do that, and they kept trying yeah. to bait him and goad him into just slugging, uh-huh. at which point he would have lost the fight because you could see Frampton was hitting hard when he did connect. Yeah, but in the latter part of the fight, he wasn't, though, because he had killed his he body. He had killed his body. Yeah. Combos to the oh. Oh my goodness. It Combos was, it was to the like body. Five to one. Uh, yeah. And you know what else he did? Uh, something that I know you loved. He spun him a lot. When yeah. Frampton would try to get him on, pin him on the ropes, he would spin him. Combo, combo, combo. Pop, pop, jab, and I'm gone. Great swimming on the ropes. Oh my goodness. It was nice work. There was some great nice lateral work. movement. Great lateral movement. I'm really impressed with Leo Santa Cruz because to me, that shows that you want to win. If you're willing to make those adjustments, then that shows and that you want to win. Your, your game plan. Especially if it's effective. Especially when you are not used to it. Yeah, that's tough. Uh That means you really worked for your, you know, three months of training camp or whatever, however long your camp was. You really worked on something. I wonder why do they call it camp? You know, because you all go away and hang out. (laughs) Let's go camping. (laughs) (laughs) Roast some marshmallows, bro. (laughs) I never understood the camp, the camp element of everything. Well, when we broke camp, I... uh... (laughs) Well, you know what? But in football, it makes a lot of sense because the guys go to a place away from their families, like how you saw on Hard Knocks. But know? everybody does when they train. That doesn't make, make That's it a camp. camp. <laughs> well, so you just leave the house. So are you at camp now? I'm not. I'm going back home. They, they don't they go went, back they home. They go back home. It's just that for a longer period of time. Whatever, dude. You're just being obtuse. Oh, my <laughs> God, Terry. You're being so obtuse. I'm all. <sighs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But, yeah, uh, I was really impressed with his ability to – to stick to the game plan. And Very impressive. Frampton, I will say that Frampton's credit, he stuck to his game plan because he thought, you could see he thought Santa Cruz was going to bend. Right, and it, and the fight played out the way that it's supposed to because the littler he's guy, a smaller guy. Yeah, lost to the bigger guy, and the bigger guy stuck to his guns and did, although I still don't like to see the bigger guy crouching down, crouching down like he that. He only did it early. He started. He stood yeah. up better, you know, in the middle rounds. That's when he started to you pull have to away. Stand tall and pop that jab. Popping the jab kept Frampton so honest. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you are are a featherweight and ant weight or super heavyweight. The jab is the, the jab. great equalizer. <laughs> the jab is the jab, and it is effective. It is very effective all the time. Keeps you honest, just like some good cheese, just like a good fastball. Ooh. Sorry, going back to baseball, but you know it's close. <laughs> you can close. Don't worry, it's almost there. I think it's like fifteen days or something before the pitchers and it is fifteen report. days yeah. today. 15 days today. On the undercard of that fight, Mikey Garcia uh, dominating that third-round knockout. I don't know if you saw that or not, but it was I didn't see that it was one. his first time back in a while. A lot of people have him high on the pound-for-pound pound list. Um, I think it's going to be interesting if he moves up to 140 because there's a lot of good fights to be made there with him. And, you know, I he keep an eye on Mikey Garcia. He trains with Robert Garcia out there in Oxnard, um, who for some reason drives every day from – um, what Moreno Valley to Oxnard? I don't know wow, why. He's keeping it real. <laughs> he's keeping it one hundred. <laughs> I don't know why he does that. But that was a you know that was that was a pretty long long drive for a short fight because it was only a three rounder and it was nice. He looked really sharp. I was surprised there was no ring rust. It was really really solid. It was really nice. Um, yeah, yeah. What else is really nice? What? It's three ingredients. What is that? Chlorophyll, agave. And water. That sounds good right now. Ah, Tastes so fresh and so clean. It is Gorilla Life. Life in a bottle, folks. Go get you some. Go to GorillaLife.com. Look at your local health food store, Trader Joe's, Gelson's, Whole Foods. Ask them about Gorilla Life. And you go get your blood oxygenated. You'll see. It's going to cure you from a lot of ailments. Give it a chance. Clean up your act in 2017. We know you're working on those resolutions. GorillaLife.com. Go buy you some. Ugh. Not me. I just ate a bunch of fries, so I need some grill life. You do, and some broccoli. <laughs> yeah, and you know because that stuff, the grill life, man, it works great on your skin. I mean, you glow. Whenever yeah. I'm going to work, and I, I make sure that at least the week before I go heavy on a Gorilla Life, like just rampage, and you have a glow. And I, and when you got that glow, <laughs> I thought you were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Kid, turns out it was it wasn't his. It was weird. <laughs> uh, let me tell you what else is weird. Is that the Clippers got totally and completely That's unacceptable? Are you kidding me? I, I had a feeling you wanted to speak on this. Are you kidding me? One hundred and forty-four points. I mean, and they could have ran it up more than that. 
They should have. They, they should have ran them out of the I, – there's no reason for a professional team to give up 144. You're supposed to be an elite team. I was just about to say, the not only just thing, a professional team. Yeah, CP, to be the CP3 elite was not there, but that does not give you an excuse. He wouldn't have gave up an extra 50 points. No chance. He wouldn't have thrown up 50 that night. I am so disappointed in the descent of the Clippers. I'm just, I have to What concede. did I tell you? Hey, it's a, you a no-limit soldier. I thought I told you. <laughs> you got to get rid of Doc Rivers. I'm you sorry. Think it's the doc. I don't even. I think they just got to blow the whole team up. Yeah, they, they, but Doc and Rivers. maybe that's what they'll do when they get Carmelo Anthony. Because now they're talking about getting Melo, and oh, how the mighty have fallen. Well, you know what? I mean, I just heard a rumor before I got off the plane that said that they were trying to trade a concession stand guy for Melo, and nobody wants <laughs> right, to take and his cousin and his cousin, and nobody even wants to throw it in. Now they say maybe the I'll throw in a, a meaning a, 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 a subscription to the Five Four Club. Maybe that'll take the deal <laughs> over, over the top. top. <laughs> maybe that'll do it because. I mean, Carmelo Anthony seems like nobody wants him. They literally came out and said, hey, we got no problems with not taking any of the big three. Well, now the wow. Celtics wanting. They're saying, I don't know if that's just a teaser and trying to get somebody else to buy into it, but it's hard. If you're supposed to be a superstar, like it, well, he is a superstar. He put up, I think, 44, 45 points last put up night. 45. He's been on a rampage himself ever, the whole, since, yeah. ever since the trade rumor started. They but, woke him up. But he's a one-dimensional guy. You know, he doesn't he doesn't play defense. He just scores. When you give him the ball, the ball stops moving. Stops moving. And even when he scores, it's never tripled up. No, I but, remember one time he put up, I think, 64, and he had maybe two assists or something like that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not acceptable. You, I'm... I can't say enough about his game offensively, but when it comes down to being a complete ball player, he I don't think that he's the piece that you need to go over to the top because you're talking about playing a five on four then. I agree. And if you had and they try to give him to the Cavaliers, so you give him to the Cavaliers, what did he go? He's gonna shoot him out of games? I mean, I don't need Carmelo out there with LeBron. I think that's a terrible move. I think it was a great move by the by the by Cavs. The Cavs to decline to 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 you know uh, gracefully say, no, we're cool. But you know, it's just in Derek Fisher. This information just came out and said that Derek Fisher knows what you may think about him, and he's cool with it because he's saying Phil Jackson, the organization, nobody knows what's going on in New York. He said they are completely and totally confused. So is he. <laughs> so what, what, what has he got? You know, does he have the cure to something out there? He didn't cure it when he was out there. He definitely. It was did a not, cause of confusion. He did not cure any sort of losing blues that yes. came about from the New York Knicks. Come on, man. So don't go out there and bash them. Find you another gig and prove your point. Yeah. yeah. I feel like all of those guys, especially all the Laker has-beens, you know, they were great players back then. But it doesn't translate to the players nowadays. And so they have to get over the, the hump. The Byron Scott, you know. And and so what do you, you think that's just based on a generational gap as far as. Yes, definitely. As far as communication goes. Not necessarily as far as basketball goes, but just the basis is communication. Yes, because look at Luke Walton. Luke Walton doesn't have this team clicking right now. But you shouldn't expect Luke Walton to have this team clicking because he's playing with a bunch of guys from college. So, you know, in a couple of years, that team probably will be yeah, a serious contention for something. I don't know what, for what. <laughs> but for something, maybe they'll be all park. <laughs> I guarantee you, the Lakers squad is all park. They, you know, there's no park squad oh that goodness. can run with that Lakers. I don't squad. know, man. You go to the Drew, you might find somebody. <laughs> One person, not the whole team. No, that's a good point. I mean, there's there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for this young blood, the new blood, because you look, Luke Walton's 37, something yeah. like that, and you can see. I mean, the Lakers have been getting trounced lately, but really. I think that this season has been a success already in a lot of ways for the Lakers. I do too. Because they've been really exciting. And obviously and the young teams are going to take their lumps. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But they they do a lot of good. They've done a lot of good. And you can tell the way that he deals with them is great. Even the way that he came out. Because they, he's a peer. That's what it is. And they yeah, asked him. He's not you know, like their dad. <laughs> that's it. When he asked him about which a lot of guys don't have fathers, at which point they yeah. have a lot of daddy issues, if you will. And they don't want to hear from somebody that's like exactly. their dad. They want to hear from their boy. And it, just like how uh, Kobe Bryant offered his help, and Luke Walton was like, I don't think Kobe's the one that we need to seek right now after this. <laughs> I'm not seeking Kobe for wise counsel. Not, not right now. Not right now. I think that that's pretty interesting. Um, but Clippers, you, that's, not, that's not right. I mean, that's not right for the city of L.A. It's not. <laughs> you can't do move, that to the Lala. You either need to move to San Diego. Go to San Diego. Or you need to get your act together. Come on, Clippers. What are y'all doing, man? Uh, buck 44. Come on, man. That's, that, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. That's, Unless you put up a buck forty-five. <laughs> exactly. So serious Mar on our city. We don't play that out here. Mars.
Uh, you know, a young group that does look good and is going to look great is in Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, and Ben Simmons should be back in a little while. I mean, realistically, Embiid is looking like Rookie of the Year. and No question. And then you got Ben Simmons coming back, who was the odds-on favorite to be Rookie of the Year. Yes. They're going to have a squad. I think they they could potentially have that situation where maybe they're a little bit inconsistent from time to time. The young. But but when they get it together, like next year, I could see them being like a Milwaukee Bucks kind of squad. They got to get their point guard situation together. But with uh, they went Euro with two. Yeah, they, but they, they, have TJ, to see. they have TJ McConnell now. Um, who's the oh, point. they ended up trading. They got him. Yeah, no, he was there, but they had him like on the bench. They bring oh, him back, and they had oh, Sergio, Sergio no, no, no. Rodriguez. That's it, because the Cavs. The rumor was about the Cavs getting him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah, and you're they right. they need to just stick to the guns and let a guy play, just like the Milwaukee Bucks are doing with uh, Greg Monroe. And yeah, and that's it. Jason Kidd still wants to play. That's one of the biggest problems I think mm. is because Jason Kidd probably still wants to play, and he got those kids out there, and he's not letting them grow together. You know, you plug and play, and now you're building a team around the Greek freak. Which is the right move. Which is the right move, but you have a big man there, a real big man. Yeah, a dominant and, big man. Yeah, but he's not. He's playing like 25 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game. Right. Let him and Greg Moreau get in there and wreak havoc. But then you top that off, you have Jabari Parker. You have a lot of pieces over there. A lot of pieces. A lot of pieces. I don't understand. Well, do you understand what Rajon Rondo had to say about his current and old teammates when he was talking about, uh, you know, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler came out speaking on – how the game isn't important enough for certain guys and so on and so forth. Um, and Rondo came back with a really strong statement for anybody who's been living under a rock. Let's hear what uh, what uh, Butler and, and Dwayne Wade had to say. So what, the, what, what happened in the crunch time, Dwayne, in your opinion? I don't know. I don't know what happened, but... Um, you know, you you, you know, continue to you know, be in these kind of situations, lose games like this. You know, when uh, everyone don't care enough, you gotta care enough, man. You know, you, you gotta you gotta mean that much to you to want to win, and it doesn't. So uh, I don't know. You know. I don't know what happened. I don't know how you fix it. Uh, it just doesn't mean enough for guys around here to want to win ball games. And, uh, it pisses me off, but I can't be frustrated and I can't care too much for these guys. Uh, they got to care for themselves, so um, we got to do better, you know. Um, got to do better with knowing where your shot's coming and knock them down. You got to do better with knowing film, knowing personnel. Um, this is a team. It's just, it's got to do better, man. Now, what's your now, take that on that D-Wade. situation? That was Dwayne Wade. That was Dwayne Wade speaking about the Bulls coming up short a little too frequently for his taste. And Jimmy Butner chimed in, too, about guys not caring enough. And they're, they're spot on. I mean, maybe the delivery wasn't the right way because they don't like to go to the media. But sometimes you need to do that to hold them social ransom. You know, but what's going on with Dwayne Wade is that he's a two-time winner. So I, I really don't want to hear about Rajon Rondo complaining about anything. Rajon Rondo needs to up his game. They brought him there for a reason, and he wasn't producing. And that's why he got sent to the bench. And then he's causing confusion, but it said there's division in the dugout. Uh, excuse me, I'm going back to baseball, the clubhouse, <laughs> because, you know, he's got the he's starting to rally the youngsters and, and uh, building a divide in the locker room. Well, you know, that's not going to ever help a team by having divide. Obviously, they brought Dwayne Wade there to be the leader. Right. And so let him be the leader. You can't act like he's not the leader. And then they're complaining about him not practicing all the time. He said, I'm like 35 years old. 30, <laughs> that's, that's what he said. He, said. Every, I don't blame him. What does he need? If he hasn't got his game together by now, <laughs> he'll never get on his way out to retirement. He'll never have it together. His game is together. His game is together. And look at his numbers. His numbers are together. His numbers are together. <laughs> and look at his hardware. Come on, man. So are, are we going to look at Rondo? Or are we going to look at Wade? And what's interesting, though, is because I felt like Dwayne Wade was actually talking to the Clippers. So... <laughs> He should. <laughs> no, I, you know, actually, I felt like Dwayne Wade was sounding the alarm across the league. I hate to sound like an old guy, but I am I am in the sense that the guys are rich and young, and they really oftentimes don't seem like they care much. No. And I'm talking about even in the finals. Right. You got guys going to party with a team that just beat them in the finals and all that kind of nonsense. Man, well, then even in the finals, you'll see a couple of guys out there just playing one-on-one, just trying to get theirs. Yeah. And that's not cool. That's not cool, man. You got to care. But at the same time, I felt like Rondo came out. When Rondo came out and said, hey, you look at the team. I played under one of the greatest coaches, which you dispute, and, and the late great <laughs> Laker quick disputed as well, in Doc Rivers. And he said, and I played with KG, and I played with Paul Pierce, and you know Ray Allen. None of those guys went to the media. We kept it all in-house. We handled it in-house. Now, he said that, 
But I felt like he was taking shots not just at Butler and Rondo. I thought he was taking shots at LeBron James, too, because LeBron had also come out talking about how they need more personnel and how he wasn't satisfied. I felt like this was Rondo's ode to put the league on notice with his veteran status. Rondo's going to get the ode to get the Barry Bonds treatment when he, when he gets out of the league because they won't let him back into play. Because this is what happens when guys like him who constantly causes problems with the media and with organizations, when they get out of the game, then they still want to be a part of the game and the organizations or the league won't let them back in. And that's exactly what happens to these guys, you know, because he's considered a troublemaker. And it's not that he has to, you know, bow down or anything. He has to play nice, you know. And th- and Dwayne Wade is trying to get him to be a winner. He's not trying to. And maybe that's his tactic as a leader is yeah. to put him on blast. Yeah. Or maybe he just literally... Because that's what all the kids and everybody, they do nowadays. Everybody goes to social media and usually rants and raves. They That's a good point. Twitter and Instagram and everything else. They don't, you know, they don't go to the clubhouse and say, hey, man, let's sit down and have a talk. Yeah. Let's, let's put you on blast. <laughs> and now what do you feel about LeBron's comments? Because LeBron James had a lot to say about I think his LeBron's team faltering tr- and, you know. Yeah, I think he's just trying to stoke the, fl- the fire over yeah. there. I, they have enough. You know, they just have to get everybody clicking. Obviously, he feels like they're losing a little bit with J.R. Smith, but I felt like J.R. Smith shouldn't have been a part of that team anyway. But they keep Ooh, trying to. Pl- I can't roll with you because he did actually. He did show up, but not the first. But not the first time. <laughs> he but, didn't show up in the first time. And, at all. and if he would have given them anything that first yeah, time, they, they would have won it. They, they would have gone back to back. Exactly. But you know, um, he it looks like he's missing because it, it looks like they're they're saying that he misses Della Vadova. But one of the things that I think that they should do, probably, maybe he could call him. You know, Della Vadova's available. Yeah. Maybe they could go out and hang out and you know go to <laughs> How the do you fair. Know he's available. <laughs> he's, he's, he's playing basketball, dude. <laughs> he's on the Bucks. <laughs> uh, I looked at the schedule. The Greek freak said he could loan him out from time to time because because you know if you get him a point guard, let LeBron, um, let Kyrie maybe play the two. And then maybe you can get a point guard, and then you can have all of them on the floor at the same time. That would be so sick if you had a guy who could really handle the ball because Kyrie is more like a two to me than a one. Well, but that's you feeling about the traditional one. I know, but no, Kyrie is the best one in the game to me. He's, he's all world. But what, that's what I'm saying. He's still, he is still a one, and yet he still puts up points. Yeah, but no, 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 I don't, I don't feel like that as far as with him because he does things within the flow of the game and as the team needs him. But I feel like he could be a better two and help their team to go to the next level if you have a guy who can handle the ball. Right. Besides him. Because LeBron handles the ball. And when LeBron, when, when uh, Kyrie's off the ball, he's still nice. I mean, those two guys. He's still effective. Yeah, they don't need to have the ball to be effective. Right. You know? And they need a ball handler, though. I think they're just missing somebody that because they got rid of Mo Williams too, and that hurts. Yeah, Mosky Love is nice. I wonder who the so that so what you're saying is they need a backup ball handler more so even than yes. like a starting ball yes. handler. They need a little bit more. So basically, what you're telling me is is you agree with LeBron? Yeah, of uh, which is <laughs> nothing new <laughs> because the dude's a winner, man. The dude knows what he needs out there, and he if he's asking his organization for it, give it to him. And now do you think he should have put him on blast in the public? Why not? Or do you think he should have put him on? Why not? Because we find that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you don't make noise, then Tell me about teams it. are not going to do anything. It'll just be internal forever. And they'll act and then they'll turn him into a monster after the fact because they'll say, you know what? He never said anything to us and he won't have anything to prove it. Right. And everybody says, LeBron's a loser. He did this. He did that. No, LeBron has just put you on notice that you need to get other players out here. And guess what? You keep playing games and he walks. That that team is going to be in trouble. Organization. You lose a lot of value if he bails out. Now, I'll tell you what else has lost a lot of value to people in the NBA is this new format for the all-star starters and reserves. I want to get your take. Well, you know, it's not all the fans right now. And this is why it's, it's the fans. And it's also, I think, the coaches or something in the way that it works. But the issue is... The biggest issue is the biggest snub that everybody feels like Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook is not starting. Yeah, and you got Steph Curry. And you got Steph Curry starting. That's ridiculous. Come on, man. Come on, man. The starters are Steph Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. That's crazy. That is a crazy team. team, If you would put Russell Westbrook in that on that team, oh my goodness. And now Westbrook for the past couple years, I think he got MVP last year. He balls out for this exact reason. Yes. Because they don't want to respect him. And this is where you have to get into that whole small market, big market conversation. Because what this guy is doing, this dude's numbers are insane. I mean, you got his his numbers translate to any market. (laughs) In any league, the park, the 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 rec center. 
the NBA. What about the Drew League? Oh, I don't know. But yes, <laughs> the Drew League, the Rucker, wherever you want to play, Russell Westbrook's triple dub is giving you problems. And I'll take him out there with his triple dub over Steph Curry shooting from 50 every day of the week. Okay. I don't I don't even really have a problem with Steph Curry like everybody else does, like a lot of other people do. Yeah, no. I, I don't have a problem with him. But in this situation, I have a problem with he, he shouldn't be the starter. He shouldn't be the starter. Just playing and, and simple, this is where the fans the get it wrong. You know? I don't think it was the fans. Oh, it wasn't. I, I, you know, I'm not. I can't front. I'm not really familiar with. I how would it have works to believe now. that it would be the fans who would put him in, right? Because there's not enough people yeah, in OKC, not, right? Yeah. Now on the flip side, they're going to be playing against Kyrie Irving, Demar Derozan, LeBron James, Greek Freak, and Jimmy Butler. So they're going. They no have center. a center. They're going. <laughs> they just get guarding you freak out. The center. Yeah, but he's not. He's he can't. Well, he can center. bang. He can bang because Anthony Davis is not really like you know. They're both. Potentially. guys. And then on the reserves, you got, on the East, you got John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, Kyle Lowry, Kimba Walker, Paul George, Kevin Love, and Paul Millsap. And you got no trust the process. And that was the big, big story, is that Joel Embiid didn't get, he won the popular vote, and he had a great tweet that he put out, and he said, once again, the popular vote didn't matter. I really like it when these young guys show something, you know, some Socially awareness. conscious, right? Yeah, and it's not just about the shine and the, the blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I got to have him beat him. <laughs> I need him beat I need to have bench. some kind of big man. I need to have some kind of big man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even care if we go get. Uh, uh, what about Hassan Whiteside? <laughs> don't nobody want to see Hassan. It's only a handful well, yeah. of people that want to. Miles Turner? It's, come on, man. I mean, you. I, the game, this shows you how far the game has evolved yeah. away from Or size. devolved. Yeah. Uh, and then on the, on the Western Conference bench, you got Russell Westbrook for some. Really? I might take the Western Conference reserves. Over the starters almost. Look at this. Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Gordon Hayward, DeMarcus Cousins, DeAndre Jordan, Mark Gasol, and Draymond Green. Are you crazy? If you put out Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, DeMarcus uh, Cousins, Draymond Green on the squad, at on the court at the same time, and throw in DeAndre Jordan, you're not going to beat that squad. Let me tell you something. I don't think there's a squad that can beat that. That's a, <laughs> oh, the planet. That's a monster squad. With Boogie and James Harden out there? Are you crazy? No, no, no. James Harden. I'm not talking about that. I'm You're talking, talking about, about the reserves. But I'm, I'm talking, talking about the reserves. Yeah, yeah but I'm they're going to the get reserves. the plug and play. Oh, yeah. They're going to get the plug and play. I mean, Boogie and James Harden on the same team is unbelievable. James Harden. James Harden's triple numbers doubles. are 50-point triple dubs. Come on, man. You, you He's are the MVP right now. That's domination. He's the real MVP. <laughs> He's the real MVP, MVP out there now. That's a yeah NBA. You got to get your act together. I don't know what's going on out here. But this is why all these All Star games usually lose their validity, you know, because football. You were talking about the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl. They don't really play. They should just like I was telling you. They should just have a good game of flag, you know. <laughs> Explain that theory. What do you feel like about the Pro Bowl and flag? Why should I go out there and take a chance on getting hurt and then be hurt for the rest of the off season and lose my money and everything else? Because I went out there and went 100% in the Pro Bowl, which means nothing. It's, it just doesn't make any sense, right? I saw Kirk Cousin go hard yesterday, too. I saw a couple guys going. I saw some helmet to helmet that I I think Darren Sproles got him some helmet to helmet. He's got to retire. <laughs> He's going to have to retire. He's going to have to like retire from life soon if he keeps getting those. What is going on? Uh, yeah, you know, and it's a trip because there was another all-star game out here. We can talk a little puck. You know, the NHL had yeah. their all-star weekend oh. out in L.A., which is uh, pretty interesting. You had young Wayne Simmons who won the MVP. It's, you know, I wish I knew more about it, and I wish I, I actually didn't see the game. So I wonder, I would love to have a caller call in and, and tell us if the NHL hockey game has that same exhibition feel or non-important feel right. as like the other ones. Although the, the baseball, baseball all-star is game real. matters. Yeah. Why don't Even you drop though, the number on them? Yeah, uh, you know, that's a good idea. You know, you can call into the Ozone and be a part. If you agree with us, you disagree with us, you want to drop a terrorist threat, whatever you want to do, slide in our uh, our our inbox and you can hit us at area code 424-254-ZONE. That's 424-254-9663. And we'll see what we can do about getting you on the air if your comment is up to code. Interesting work going on. Um, staying in the NBA, I want to speak about what a couple of the members of the NBA had to say about uh, Donald Trump's travel ban. Yeah, that's a pretty serious issue. Let's hear what they had to say. Any words on any comment on the travel ban in the United States? Um, I think it's bullshit. I think it's absolute bullshit. I mean, our country is uh, the, the country of the, the homeland, the home of the free. 
And for that to happen, I think it's bullshit. I mean, I'm not gonna get into it too deeply, but personally, I think it's bullshit. Any chance you wanna try it again? No, <laughs> not at all. Y'all gotta bleep that out. That's how I feel about it. If you use it, you use it. I'm sure you can bleep it out. Well, you know what, Kyle Lurie? We're gonna use it because I agree with you. And I think it is, in the words of my good friend Bobby Cannavale, some of that old bullshit. It's uh, <laughs> four piece. It is. It is disgusting. It is un-American. And I want to. I want to give you another dose. Uh, and that's from the player. Now I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you a dose of what the coach feels like. Because Steve Kerr. Yeah. What's happening? I would just say, um, you know, that as as a. Uh, Someone who is his family member was a victim of terrorism, and having lost my father. Um, if we're trying to combat terrorism um, by banishing people uh, from coming to this country, um, by uh, you know, really going against the principles of what our country's about and, and creating fear. Um, it's the wrong way to go about it. If anything, we, we could be breeding uh, anger and terror. And, and uh, so I'm completely against what's happening. I think it's shocking. It's a horrible idea. And I'm really, uh, I feel for all the people who are affected. Families are being torn apart. Um, and I worry in the big picture what this means uh, to the security of, of the world. It's, it's going about it completely opposite. You, you want to. You want to solve, you know, terror. You want to solve crime. Um, it's, just, it's not the way to do it. Have you guys had a discussion as a team about this issue? We've talked. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, various issues. Um, we have. We didn't talk today or yesterday about what's what's been happening um, around the country, just with our with our schedule with games. But our guys talk a lot about this stuff. Now that's Steve Kerr, uh, coach of the year and coach of the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, I mean, where do you begin? This is what is so beautiful about the United States of America uh, is <clears throat> that we have the ability to voice our opinions and to grow. And me, myself, I feel like this is something that's so obviously bigoted that it, to make this move within the first eight days of your presidency, it shows what type of person that uh, Donald Trump is and the, and also shows the type of people that he surround himself, surrounded himself with. You have these buffoons sitting around lying for him, and he wants to act as though it's not a, a bigoted thing. If you're listening and you think it's not a bigoted thing, I invite you to call in and we can get in a discussion about it. Uh, because realistically, when you follow the money, unfortunately, and you see that he banned people traveling from seven countries that are Muslim countries primarily, that totals about 134 million people, and although there's probably a good 50 Muslim countries on the planet, of which he does business in the other 42 or 43, whatever it is, and they weren't on the ban list. Like Saudi Arabia? Yeah, and a whole bunch of them, yeah. and it's despicable. And I'm very happy to see Steve Kerr speak out uh, and people who have a position of influence. I take it seriously myself. I like to see Kyle Lowry coming at it. I'm not a big fan of cussing, but this was a situation where I think the expletive was warranted. Um, and this is this is bad business. I see that the 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 uh, well, no, commissioner Adam Silver even came out and said he needed clarification because just yeah. for his actual employees, he's trying to figure out what does this mean for guys. He's got guys that practice all sorts of faith that are in the league from all around the world. Yeah, well, if this is what it takes to keep me safe, then don't keep me safe. I'll you know, and this I'll is I that. got into a Twitter discussion the other day uh, with this, and basically this was my point. If this comes down to a fear tactic. Yes, and I'm not that scared. No, and in real life. Coming from my eyes, the odds are that a police officer will pop me before any radical Islamist will, and or or somebody that's fired up and ready to go with this uh, uh, inciting of racism that uh, Trump and his his team have uh, have incited, which is what seems like has happened up there in Canada with the guys shooting up the mosque. 
it's just really unfortunate. I, I, I see I, I try to see the bright side in things. And for me, the bright side that I see here is is that there's a unification that's taking place against this nonsense. One thing that I was speaking to earlier, I was speaking to a Muslim earlier, actually, and um, and they told me something very interesting. They said, you know, isn't it interesting that the cities in the United States which have been most affected by terrorism directly are the cities that have the largest protests against this ban? The New Yorks, the Los Angeleses, you know, the, the, the big cities. Because we refuse to live in fear. It's not, it's not even in us. And not only that, we're not going to be bamboozled or the veil pulled over our eyes to believe that you're supposed to be afraid to walk out the front door. A, a, a guy suggested to me, so what do you think, man? We shouldn't even lock our doors at night? I said, you know, to, 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 that's not what I was saying. I said, but to be honest, I'm not sitting around scared all day and all night <laughs> so that, that I'm, I'm waiting for something to happen. Right. I'm not looking to be the victim. No. And, and I tell you what else, I'm not scared of my fellow man. I believe in humanity, and I believe that people, by and large, have good intentions. And unfortunately, the people in the United States keep uh, keep proving me wrong in certain ways. And I, I you know what? I'm going to go as far as to say I'm not even mad at President Trump in this situation. Well, how can you be? He, he, he ran on the, on the, on on this platform, and he's executing. President what he Trump said he was is doing do. exactly what candidate Trump said he was going to do, which is be a total dick. And he's it doing out. it, yeah. and he is bugging it out. And now you see nonstop up and down social media and in conversations you have people rethinking their vote or rethinking not voting. There uh, is no buyer's remorse in this situation. You the world, it. the world is in a situation where they're potentially dealing with buyer's remorse. And it, and and you guys may wonder why we're talking about it on our sports podcast, but it's going to affect you in the sports world as well. Right, it's going to might affect the Olympics. I mean, there's a lot of ramifications from this. It hurts baseball, basketball, football, soccer, boxing, whatever it is that you like. Guess what? It hurts it. And if you're that scared, just go in the bunker and close the door, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, it's just really, really unfortunate. And just stay woke, folks. You guys, you have to make yourself aware. It's I, I, One thing that I really appreciated uh, from President Obama was he really admonished everybody on his way out to be an active citizen and the responsibility of citizenship. And I think that you just saw from Cal Lowry and from Steve Kerr, that's part of that responsibility. You've seen Greg Popovich speak out on it. Uh, guys all across all the leagues, Stan Van Gundy was very vocal about his opposition to it. You know, it's not about being liberal. This has nothing to do with being liberal. Nothing to do yeah. with being a celebrity. This is about humanity. This is about reading the words at the base of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, liberty, rather. It's a it's a serious this is a serious time. And I, I just pray everybody looks at, towards the greater good. It's really, really unbelievable to me. I got off the plane and I saw some silly hashtag about boycotting Starbucks. Well, because the, the CEO said that he was gonna hire ten thousand refugees over five years in seventy four countries and uh he's choosing the, the, the refugees over American vets. No, he didn't say that, actually. He never said that he was doing that. And they have programs to hire veterans and other people. If they apply. If they apply. And he and and I don't know how many US veterans are applying in seventy four countries. Ten thousand jobs to a, a company that creates hundreds of thousands of jobs isn't necessarily, you know. Uh, uh, a defiant problem but i'm just glad people are speaking out now if we could just get the terrorists to blow up the clippers roster <laughs> we could <laughs> and not literally maybe protest <laughs> uh, maybe we could just get a protest in the streets to blow up the clippers roster and uh put it back together again we could really we could get it together uh, i hope everybody understood the comedy in that i'm not calling for any acts of violence uh what i am calling for is a tasty a refreshing snack known as the coconut clean snack man 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 i can't say enough about it a little it. hungry right now Ooh, we just off the plane a little melissa's organic produce oh this is one of the best things i've ever put in my mouth folks the coconut clean snacks they have other flavors as well but go over to your local health food store ask for it by name or go to melissa's produce uh melissa's organic produce.com and you will see actually i think it's just melissa's.com and you can fire some up straight to your house. I got some when I was down in Kentucky. That's how I found out about them. And I, I had to contact these people. It was so delicious. All natural. Um, no high fructose corn syrup. All good and good for your body. Might even keep you regular. Coconut clean snacks. Get some. Yeah, now uh, I think that we need to cover the, the Super Bowl preview. The bowl of super. It is the bowl. And it is super, huh? 
as they say in France. I mean, I think we covered it last time, to be honest. I, this has been a week so far. We got one more week of Julio Jones getting healthier. Uh, and Richard Sherman saying the only way to stop him <laughs> is to time to the bit the night, the, the night uh, before. That is hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't think that the Patriots really can stop him, but, I, you know, obviously they want to throw that out there. For me, if we're going to talk about it, I would like to say that the Patriots obviously have the potential to win in their favorite. But I feel the Atlanta Falcons will beat them. The only way that the Patriots that I could see that the Patriots would be able to beat them is if they pound Gary Blunt 25 to 30 times to manage the clock, to control the field position, and to keep the Falcons off of the field. So you're looking at a low-scoring game. It could turn out to be a low-scoring game. But this is all up to the Patriots defense because the Patriots defense, they don't have a pass rush. Can they stop the um, the Falcons at all? I yeah. mean, can they stop them? And who have they played that they have stopped that actually is a formidable team? Exactly. I know that Bill Belichick is a guru. I'm not mad yeah. at Belichick, but this time I think that they might be overmatched. We're gonna see. I mean, I'm I'm I, I'm I'm anxious to watch the game. I think it's gonna be Falcons in a tight one because I just can't see the, the Patriots getting blown out. Even though the Falcons seem to have a tendency to blow people out. Well, it matters if the Patriots defense can't hold up and they stay on the field too long, they'll get blown out just like everybody else. This is why Legarrette Blunt is very, very important. So if the Patriots win, Legarrette Blunt will probably be the MVP because I hold on a second. If the Patriots win, you can bet dollars for donuts that Tom Brady will be the MVP. No. I don't care. I don't care if, if he only throws two passes. I, I don't care if Garrett Blunt runs for 400 yards. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady is getting the MVP, and they're going to force Roger Goodell to hand him all the Give trophies. It to him. Yeah, they're going to force him to do it. That's actually my only reason to want the Patriots to yeah. win. I actually think the Falcons are going to win. I think they're going to pull off an upset. I think I'm looking at a at a 37, 26, 24, something like that. Um, I don't. I think, go 34, 23. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that the Falcons are going to get in the 30s, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Patriots can. Now, I think the ball control is the answer. So, if the Patriots win, I'm looking at a 24, 21 Patriots win or something to that effect. I just don't think that their their uh, defense is up to code like that because they can't apply pass rush. You need a pass rush. On if the you team. look at the numbers, their defense is pretty spectacular. But that's but that's in, without under a the pass lens, yeah, and, and that's under the lens of a very mediocre competition. Buffalo Bills, the Texans, Dolphins, Dolphins. Yeah, even Steelers last week who decided yeah. to do exactly what needed to be done to lose the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't. You saw with Seattle when Seattle got physical with them. They're not a physical team, and I think that you're going to be able to get physical with them. Uh, you probably can't stop Julian Edelman doing his drag routes and all the underneath stuff, maybe going on a streak every now and then. But, is it, you know, if they can't get a, the third down, control the third down situations and whatnot, the Patriots will get blown out just like everybody else. Wow. That's a big statement. Yeah, because you watch the MO of the Atlanta Falcons. What they do, like I told you before, is that they score, especially Bill Belichick does a lot of things that I don't understand. He's a great coach. But in this situation, if he doesn't, it's accept the ball and give the ball to the Atlanta Falcons. He's going to have a problem. Yeah, I don't think you need. I don't think you want the Falcons with the with the football in general. Yes, I think you may want to deflate the balls completely <laughs> and let them know. It's serious business. Serious business. Uh, all right, folks. You got anything else you want to cover? Well, we got you know Usain Bolt losing his his um his medal. He lost one of his, you know, medals. But I'm losing any of them is terrible. It's got to be terrible. It's not his fault. Especially when he's the fastest human ever. Uh, but well, he lost that five. medal because his boy was uh, was juicing. That PEDS, those PEDs, that PED dispenser. Yeah, but riddle me this, Batman. Why were they testing <laughs> something from a 2008? from eight years ago? That's a good question. I think that they really want to catch Usain Bolt. And I don't know why that is, but there's I know there's been a lot of speculation about him. You had Carl Lewis come out who was very like vocal about him not being natural and he would walk Carl Lewis. <laughs> of course. And, and yeah, exactly. And Carl Lewis would pull up lane. I don't know. Carl Lewis never pulled up lane. He was he was okay to get walked. Except for <laughs> but but truthfully, the only time that that happened, the guy was dirty. So that's yeah, why he that's feels true. that way. So I can understand why he's got that chip on his shoulder. You know, I can I can dig it. Yeah, with that nine seven nine. <laughs> nine seven nine Ben Johnson. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and when you talk about the winners and the losers of the Super Bowl, there actually aren't any because I just saw that the losers get fifty three thousand per player and the winners get a hundred and seven thousand. 
<laughs> Are there any losers? Everybody loves a winner. <laughs> I mean, there's, you got to incentivize, you know, doing the right thing. And doing the right thing means playing hard, coming ready to play, and getting to the big dance. You know, this is just just like this goes back to like the the Serena and Venus Williams thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they kept it all in the family. One of them picked up, I think, one point right? seven. <laughs> the other one picked up a million or something like that. That's they, crazy. That's big money. That's it's not. There's no chump change you're messing around with there. So you know, I think that the Pro Bowl is kind of interesting in that sense that guys get bonuses and incentives in their contract for making the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. but all of them essentially are out there to just not get hurt. You know, so you can't blame them. I at all. I'm I'm really I'm me myself, I'm of the mind of like with those college kids sitting out the bowl games. Football's such a dangerous sport and then why don't you just have them play Madden or something? <laughs> <laughs> with themselves as a, as their player. Right. I bet you they sell out Madison Square Garden if yeah, they I bet did you that. They would. A lot of money in esports now. Ah, folks. Well, we appreciate you rocking with us here in the Ozone. It's been a, a trying time, a rough week, and a great week of sports. Man, oh, man. We're always here for you, folks, and thanks for being here for us. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Benjamin Franklin, and it is, They who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Wow. That's heavy right there. And that's the man on the $100 bill. Rah! This has been the 40th edition of the Ozone. We got big news to announce for you coming up within the next month. So thank you for rocking with us and all of our success because you are the reason for the season. Ozone. Ozone. With a groove I only got, we shall all be moved.